Hello and welcome back to my podcast once again with special guest Lisa Dennis, who I'm sure people will just say, why don't you just let her take over the podcast as they have with my YouTube channel, (laughs) but you guys vastly overestimate how good my mom is with technology. (laughs) And anyways, um, so today's podcast is right there. We're getting, we're getting pizza and then we'll be answering some of your questions that you sent in on my Instagram. So for those of you who do not follow me on Instagram, if you want to be involved in asking questions, oh my goodness. (laughs) If you want to be involved in asking questions and kind of helping set up the ideas for the podcast, I would recommend being on Instagram because that's the easiest place to kind of do all of that. But anyways, welcome to my podcast and my mom who cannot stay on topic for more than two seconds. Okay, so we're going to start with some of these questions. Um, some of them are hilarious and others are just serious. So um, anyways, this one says, do you think keeping a horse in a stall 24-7 besides being ridden is abusive? And yes, I would say anyone that's going to get a horse or a dog or anything like that and just leave them locked up all the time and not allow them to express natural behaviors and socialize shouldn't have animals. I think it's very selfish and I don't think people should have horses. You shouldn't get a farm animal if your intention is to keep it inside all the time. They're not cars. You can get a dirt bike if you want to keep it in a closet. <laughs> Anyways. Although when I was a teenager, un- unknowingly, in North Van, we only had a stable with stalls. We didn't have paddock turnout. We didn't have in and outs. We had nothing. And I ignorantly boarded her like that without thinking it was anything but the norm. Yeah, a lot of people think it's fine. Did. And I look back on it now and I... I really kind of feel badly about it because our horses were in their stalls unless they were being ridden and that was that. Mm -hmm. How did you know Milo had a tendon tear? Like, did you just x-ray him or was he unsound? Milo was never unsound from his injury. He would just trip sometimes and he had a wind puff on his leg. So I had them ultrasound the wind puff and at that time they didn't find anything. And then we did, like, nerve blocks and flexions, and the nerve blocks didn't make a difference either. And then finally we x-rayed it, and they found, like, a teeny tiny tear um, in his leg. But it was never um, something where he was unsound with it. I just insisted we kept looking because I didn't think it was normal for him to be like that. Um, But, yeah, so it definitely did require diagnostics. Um. Why aren't thoroughbreds as as respected as much as warm bloods in the professional hunter slash equitation world? Because a lot of people are lazy and can't properly ride thoroughbreds and then blame the horse by saying they're all crazy and blah, 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 and complain about thoroughbreds being too light of a build or hard keepers because they don't know how to feed them properly. Honestly, it's a people issue because thoroughbreds used to be the horse of choice and a lot of the old school trainers that people like bow down to for every other aspect of life like people like I know there's been drama regarding George Morris so I don't really want to reference him other than the fact that before that people would adore everything that came out of that man's mouth and use him as a reference for every little thing but then conveniently the same people ignored the fact that he said thoroughbreds were the best and that he likes them better than warm bloods so I find that really interesting it's like they have like rose-colored glasses that they look at certain things through and then and ignore the, the rest. Drama, he's a very credible and experienced horse horseman with yeah yeah he just might be a pedophile so 
doesn't that part doesn't <laughs> change the fact that he actually is someone who's credible as a horse person. <laughs> yeah, he knows horses. He just he might is. be a child predator. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh god. <clears throat> okay, so anyways, moving on. No one please rip on me for George Morris. I have never been the most gigantic fan of him. Like, he was never one of my idols in the horse world, and I honestly don't really know the full story of the situation. I don't think anyone does, but I'm just going to trust the fact that the researching parties did their job. Anyways, do you plan to sell Milo? No, because he's a pain in the butt and no one else is going to want to put up with him like I would, and I also don't... Yeah, and I love him, but I also, like... And I love him. Even when I'm selling my other horses that are easier to place and less finicky than Milo, I'm always very concerned about how the average horse person rides and keeps their horses, especially around here because a lot of farms don't have proper turnout and stuff. So I don't know, like I just, he's not the type of horse that would be easy to sell even if I wanted to and I don't want to. How do you go about deciding what horses you want to use for resales? When I'm buying resale projects, I'm buying them specifically for that purpose. Um, and then, like, obviously, if I really like a horse, I'll keep them if I decide to, or I'll keep them longer. Like, I kept Archie for a really long time. But at the end of the day, it's my business, and Milo is really, like, the only horse that I'm so attached to that if someone offered me a large sum of money, I would still turn them down for it. Whereas most of my other horses, with the exception of Banksy, because I didn't breed him just to sell him as a baby. Um... But, like, for the thoroughbreds and, like, a lot of the other horses that I will get in, if someone was the right home and gave me the right offer, I probably wouldn't say no to it. So, it, I don't know, it's just kind of, like, it's it's a business for me and this is my job, so reselling horses is something that I've gotten more comfortable with. And when I'm selecting horses for resale purposes, that's, like, I know what's going to happen, so I don't really get super attached to them, if that makes sense. Do you plan on showing at Thunderbird at any point? I have before, but, like, I honestly don't see the point in paying, like, $1,000 to show for two days if I'm not going to make my money back at le- or at least have a chance of doing well in my classes. So I don't see the point. Like, Milo, until very recently, wasn't even getting around properly. So taking him to Thunderbird like I did it once with him and it went terribly so that's kind of why I stopped going um we did Milner which was the same rating as the Thunderbird shows but way cheaper but like at the end of the day I don't think like I sure like it's great to be like oh yeah we went to a gold show but like if you're not there to like be pretty competitive I'm personally of the mind that I would rather spend the money at a schooling show or doing off-property schooling at another place um So that's kind of why I avoid rated shows unless I really feel like I'm going to do well and have the money to do them. Um, Oh my goodness. Please talk about the effects of jumping three-year-olds. This is a very broad question because doing anything with a young horse, even like I don't think anyone really ever needs to jump a three-year-old and I think it's unnecessary. But there's like a big difference between someone jumping their three-year-old over a cross rail like once a week or less and someone schooling courses repeatedly on a three-year-old and moving them up the heights. So that's like a very broad description. Like there's different levels of things that are bad and you have to kind of look at it objectively and realize that 
you can not agree with something, but you can acknowledge the fact that it's probably not as risky as it could be. Um, so with like babies, I think it would be a concern if they're frequently schooling their horse over fences and doing bigger fences and lots of turns and stuff that are harder on the legs like that. But like at the end of the day, like I don't agree with it, but I can't really talk about what the effects of it are because that's so broad. The effects depend on the horse and how hard they're actually being ridden and how much they're jumping rather than just the, the act of jumping. Yeah, and the height. But yeah, anyone who rides like a really green horse, a three-year-old that's like jumping and doing lots of turns and stuff is probably at a high risk of messing up their legs. But like, I guess that's what they're going for. Uh-huh. This one's about George and it says, what made you decide to inject his SI versus his stifle? We already injected his stifle because that's what the vet thought was making him sore before um and I didn't necessarily agree with that because I really didn't think it was his stifle I felt that it was higher up just from handling him all the time and feeling his muscles and whatnot um so finally complete. oh that's my mom's car <laughs> so finally after like talking to the vet and like trying a bunch of things and getting the Cairo out who is also a vet um we went with the SI because that's where he's sore I'm just taking a bite of my pizza which is actually pretty good. It is. Um, so, yeah, that's why we did it. Um, I don't like injecting joints, and technically SI doesn't really go into the joint. It goes, like, around it, which is nice. Is but it in the joint capsule, then, or what? No. Oh. He said it's, like, around... Interesting. Yeah. I don't remember which vet told me that. No one quote me on that. Um, what are some downsides slash challenges of owning thoroughbreds? Honestly, I don't really think there's any downsides that are really specific to thoroughbreds other than like I personally disagree because unless you have like like ponies and a lot of quarter horses are so easy to feed to the point where it's kind of ridiculous um when you're feeding any type of hotter blooded sport horse minus Milo <laughs> um usually you need to feed them quite a bit more food than horses that are kind of built to not be as high energy and have as fast of metabolisms so I guess for a lot of people how much they eat would be an issue but I don't know for me we've always had horses that are like that and also so. a potential downside for some people might be um being patient enough to give them some downtime when they come off the track because a lot yeah. of them benefit from just well like, and learning how to ride them yeah but yeah so anyways that's kind of I don't think there's a lot of things that are just specific to them, though, because I don't really think anyone has business getting a green horse um, if they're going to rush them, and that's not specific to thoroughbreds. Um, would you ever teach a clinic? Like, maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't really know how much I'd have to say at, like, a full clinic. I mean, I also don't even know how to set that up, so... <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so that's a challenge anyways can I ask a question mm -hmm. when you do a podcast like this is it actually live no I, I publish it oh it's yeah so fun. all the stupid okay. inappropriate things you say I can crop out right on okay cool <laughs> um someone said to you how old were you when you had Shelby I'm actually not her daughter. I just pay her to be in my YouTube videos. <laughs> Let's see. I was 27 when I had Chase. 31. I was 31 when I had Shelby. Oh, old. Just kidding. Right? 
Is it difficult seeing people be rude to Shelby online? Do you feel like a protective mama bear? Yeah, sometimes I do, I'd say, but more so irritated by ignorance irritates me because rather more so than lack of knowledge. I don't, like I don't this. know. So I, I have a hard time with comments that I would view as ignorant in terms of unkind or inappropriate and not with a base in any kind of logic or reason. So I get frustrated with that and I do get protective with that because I don't see any benefit or point to people just being judgmental, mean, um, petty and nasty. But beyond that, some of them are funny. Uh, but I do feel the need to stick up for the judgmental comment sometimes just because I get really irritated with that. And oh, I'm a big sorry. fan of asking people asking questions rather than making a judgment because that just comes from my being a teacherness. My and thing ask questions. My thing with like the hate comments and like a lot of people I think assume it's because I'm super offended by them, but they really piss me off because it's like just so negative and unnecessary and not everyone's in my position where they have so much support and stuff to fall back on like there's a lot of people oh, my mouth is full I'm so sorry there's a lot of people that post online and share their journeys that feel lost and bad about themselves and then I know for a fact that the people commenting stuff on my videos like I highly doubt I'm the only person that they're saying that too so I feel like even if one person changes how they feel and feels bad and decides to change the way they speak to people that's kind of a win and honestly I've had a lot of people actually come and apologize to me after the fact even though like a lot of people don't believe that that's even a thing like they tell me it's a waste of time to respond to them but I've had a lot of people like come and apologize to me after saying nasty things so I mean it may clearly I, does work. May I? Are may you in I a kitchen? One more thing to that. Yeah. The, I think the thing that bothers me the most with some of those the hate com- what would people call hate comments are the ones that come from full blown adults. Yeah. I mean, I don't. You're an adult, but I mean full blown adult adults like in their thirties, forties, fifties, like me, whatever it may be. I really do not understand that kind of a mindset where an adult will go and go out of their way almost to make a point to be unkind (laughs) that is just I think it's kind of funny when they do that that especially when they have kids because they're probably like that mom that complains to the manager when they have like a missing piece of cheese you gotta on their wonder pizza. like how how would they like it if someone did that to their kid? oh they like, wouldn't they'd, they'd freak out okay with it. anyways moving right. on <laughs> um someone said what's your favorite nickname for milo and george who's mine or are you y- you you're my you that's why i said um, your oh okay milo beanbag i like i like to call him beanbag um and then for george i'd say it's right now i my nicknames change along the way. I kind of just, they evolve. And so George was Georgie Porgy. And then I started to just riff on the Porgy. And now I call him Piorge. And so that seems to be the one right now. And I okay. go, Piorge! Are you proud of Shelby and how far she has come with her social platforms? I didn't send that to myself. Just saying. <laughs> I'm really proud of the hard work she's put in and the success she's had from putting in the hard work with what she does so I'd say I'm proud of what she's done with the social platforms but it's far less about the platforms themselves and more about what she's doing 
um, with her passions and her interests. So I'd say <clears> probably <throat> really proud of the work she's doing for okay. sure. Do you ever get scared when Shelby is riding a spooky slash bucking slash bolting horse? No, she wants me to die. Uh, I do, but way less so than what people would think, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Like, on the racehorses, when they bolt, Well, in the I beginning, do, you did, though, yeah. less. You just stick to things so much now, but with a lot of them, when I see them act up, I know more or less how she can handle it. But with a racehorse, when they're unpredictable, if they go for a tear... And they're and they're and they they're off. That makes me nervous for sure. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, okay, this is from Amy. How Aww. did you get Shelby into horseback riding? Amy Fraser. Amy Amo Fraser. Amo, the- hi, I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, how did I get you into it? Well, she was bugging me probably from the age of two and a half onward. Horses, horses, I ride horses. And so by age four, I actually started asking around to find a trainer, and no one would take her at that age. And then we found the Arabian trainer, um, Yvonne Longauer, and she said, bring her out and let's see how it goes. And so I would drive her actually from her morning preschool to a riding lesson once a week. And then she would ride and then she'd fall asleep in her little car seat on the way home. Cause she was just so flipping small. But so that's how it came to be. She started, I guess at about four and a half. And it was because we found a, a very willing and patient, um, trainer in Yvonne that was willing to take a young kid someone I don't know why they asked this for you to answer but it's they say us do you think Raleigh has changed uh, how would I know because I don't <laughs> I don't watch anything of hers or listen to anything so basically she she's just kind of irrelevant to our lives so mm. I have no idea um she has any, a cool name yeah. I think her name is cool I always want to call her Rayleigh yeah honestly I think she's like Raleigh South Car- Carolina or something of that nature yeah Maybe that's With a southern accent. But that's not a southern accent at all. Um, <laughs> wait, what is this? Um, so, this one's about, like, Banksy and the breeding process of him, so... So, with Banksy, like, the vision with him, like, I wanted to breed a foal for, like, show jumping that I could use as my future upper level horse and the reason why I decided to breed is because it's a lot cheaper to like provided everything goes well um it's cheaper than buying an already alive prospect that's finished growing and has proven itself either in how it looks or how it's going if it's already started under saddle so Banksy honestly like even factoring in all the money we spent after his mom rejected him realistically like I couldn't have bought him on the ground for more like for sorry for less than I paid to have him here um so it worked out really well and like my vision with him is to just have him grow up and then I can start him my way and have him grow up my way and know all of his history which was something I was that was really important to me um because with all the horses I ride and I ride a lot of horses that are already previously started and I find it really frustrating to have as many holes in their training that they do especially on the dressage foundation and I find that a lot of the show jumpers and hunters are really heavy on the forehand and not light in my hands and just have things wrong with them and their behaviors that you could easily fix if you'd been the one to start them if that makes sense and other than like milo's weird quirks and some of his weirdnesses and problems from his abuse um 
I quite like how he rides and I like how soft he is and how responsive he is and the problems with his nervousness towards fences and his trailering issues and stuff. If we'd had him from the time he was a baby, he wouldn't have those same issues. So that's kind of why I wanted to breed my own baby because then we can start like doing in-hand shows with him as a yearling, get him used to trailering, have good ground manners for baths and everything and just avoid all of these little issues that horses can have. And this isn't to say that he's going to be perfect, but at least it means that like we know what his history is. People can't lie to us about injuries and we can start him in a way that we're comfortable with. Um, because yeah, like I just, I have my own way of doing things and I, I really do like, like breaking horses and getting them going under saddles. One of my favorite things to do. So I wanted to do that with my own horse and produce my own horse that way. And I also really like thoroughbreds. So the other thing for me is if I'm going to buy a warm blood, I wanted it to have a high percentage of thoroughbred blood, which is kind of a big ask, um, especially when you're only shopping locally. Like I'm not in the position where I could have imported anything. Even buying from out of province would be more expensive than what we paid for Banksy when you factor in trailering and everything. So why are we going this way? Um, aren't we going to co-op? Yeah. Co-op? There. Okay. Um, so we're driving. Well, my mom's driving and I'm on the phone because we're not doing illegal BS. So anyways, that's kind of the reason why I wanted to breed him. Um, and then I wasn't initially, like, I wasn't planning on breeding that year, but the opportunity to own Scarlet or Donut, as some of you know her, his dam came up and my boss gave her to me um for free when she retired from the track and she's a beautiful mare really well bred and nicely put together and it's it's not something I would have done with just any old mare that I was given that's also something I want to make clear we chose to breed her because of the fact that she was the type of build and everything else that we would have wanted in a thoroughbred mare to cross with a warm blood stallion so if we'd gotten something that was like ugly and not well put together we wouldn't have bred it um because the quality wouldn't have been what I wanted so when we had her like I first had the vet out to check if she was breeding sound and if she could carry a baby safely and not cause herself or the baby any problems and then after we passed that uh hurdle I guess I started looking at stallions and I made a list of all the stallions that I was looking at, which I've since lost because I ran over my phone with the horse trailer. Um, so I can't really tell you who all of them are. I know I was looking at Banderas who, you know, that I ended up choosing. I was looking at Balu du Rue, who is Banderas sire. Um, we looked at Bon Balu, but we decided not to go with him because it's only frozen since he's deceased same thing with diamond stud i didn't want to use frozen for the first time since it's harder to get them to catch with it um i looked at red wine but he was a lot more huntery and less like like banderas has a very very good jump and that's like one of the best things about him he didn't get as high of scores as i would have liked him to get for his trot in inspection but the trot is the easiest gate to fix and he got high scores for his jump and high scores for his canter um so honestly like i don't mind having to fix the trot the canter is a lot harder to fix because milo had like the world's worst canter um and his canter's gotten a lot better but it's not the quality of a canter that a horse with an already nice canter would have so i wanted something that would have a good foundation 
for what I wanted and was a decent mover but most importantly I wanted something with a really clean good jump and the other reason why I chose Banderas over the other stallions is because first of all he's local so we got to go meet him and see what his personality was like and he was lovely and secondly a lot of his babies that are now competing are local and I've ridden one of them and I've also watched a bunch of them compete and they all like he throws really nice jumps and they're very talented um so his old like one of his oldest babies like he he's only a 2006 so he's not very old um bandera is not the baby his baby's own like her name is jumping big bro on instagram if you want to creep her um (laughs) yeah yeah, he's a lovely horse and he's very talented and that's the one that i rode and after i rode him it kind of solidified my idea to breed to banderas um also banderas is known for being like producing good semen and being easy to get mares to catch from so that was another thing that was kind of important to me because i wanted it to go as smoothly as possible so then from there we uh filled out the breeding contract sent it off to the farm they accepted it um got the semen ready our vet picked it up then i brought scarlet into the vet where they inseminated her she was there for like three days she came back and just chilled out two weeks you do an exam to see if they caught which means like there's what will be an embryo is it an embryo or is it pre-embryo like what is an embryo the tiniest thing i don't i get confused embryo from the get-go okay so an embryo and it's like the big black dot that you see on the ultrasound and then they do another check at like 30 days I think it is or it might be it was either 30 or 60 for the heartbeat scan just to make sure the foal I think it was was 60 to make sure the foal is healthy and looks good and then there's vaccines that you do throughout the pregnancy to avoid like like the mare aborting it because there's certain parts of the pregnancy that they're more likely to abort the foal um Anyways, so then from there, we just had, like, regular checkups, did all the vaccines we needed to do, and just made sure everything looks good, and then she fold, and then she decided she didn't want to be a mom, and then we got him with <laughs> his own mom, um, and that obviously didn't go according to plan, but it worked out really well, because the mare that we put him on was at the barn he was already at, and they very generously offered her up to be, yeah, like, his parent, which was really, really lucky. So it's really awesome, because this whole experience has allowed us to make some really good connections with people and meet people that we wouldn't have otherwise met that have been really helpful um I've never done any of the warm blood stuff I don't like I've never had to register my own horse because all of the ones I've bought have already been registered if they are registered um so like the whole inspection process and all that was very new to me and the people that we keep like the farm the people that own the farm that Banksy's at were super helpful because they breed warm bloods so they're experts on it and really helpful in helping us decide like registries and figure out what the heck to do at inspection and everything um so that was awesome but it's definitely like it's not something like the registration process and inspection is something that's very new to me because like I knew like I've obviously heard of what warm blood inspections are I've seen some videos of them but I don't fully understand like the whole process and it's new to me um the handling of foals once they're on the ground is not new to me but birthing them and stuff like that was all new and they were very helpful um anyways so that's kind of the process with Banksy and that's kind of how it worked and 
it worked out well and he's a lovely boy and we got like like honestly with a face like his and markings like his just because he has so much white which is like it's silly that this is a thing but it does increase their value and people's likelihood to want to buy them when they're very flashy like that and like if he was a yearling or a two-year-old that i was trying to buy as a young prospect he would be out of my price range so to have him score so well at inspection and do all of that stuff was like a huge deal for me because it's my first time doing this and he could have been awful so we love him yeah we love him but new question yeah (laughs) this that was the lengthiest answer there's your book on breeding the breeding book. yeah i should just call this one the freaking about all about banksy the banksy Um, breeding book by shelby that's lots of alliterativeness in there. Let's alliterativeness. That's not a I word. I like making new words. Do you prefer a full seat or light seat while jumping a course and why? I think this is utterly dependent on the horse because some horses go better at the light seat. Some go better at the full seat. Some like it when you alternate. Um, anyways, so adjust accordingly yeah like i kind of just ride the horse that i have for that day you know um for me what about with milo what would you say you typically i usually ride milo with a full seat because Mm -hmm. like as everyone knows already like he has a tendency to stop so being out of the tack and not having a driving seat is a bad idea unless i want to get launched um so for him i mostly ride with a full seat and i will half seat between jumps on him sometimes but i'm always sitting before the jump um on him and most of my horses because i just find it supports them better and is just i don't know it's just what i like to do um someone said this is a quote they said just because i disagree with you doesn't mean i hate you how can we improve the conversation in our sport to better educate riders across disciplines regarding ethical treatment of horses i think honestly the biggest problem in the horse world right now especially online um when people are trying to be helpful and i'm using quotation fingers if you like obviously you can't see it's not if you can't see you guys literally cannot see me um (laughs) anyways i think the biggest problem is that people pretend that they're being helpful but really they're looking to be hurtful like it's never going to be helpful just to demoralize and demean someone and then try to be like oh i'm just doing this to be helpful though so like i think we just need to change our attitudes around how we speak to people and how we deliver advice if that makes sense um it's also really important that we realize the correct time to give advice and when it's likely to be well received um for example like if you just tell someone oh you you look bad on your horse you have bad equitation that's not helpful at all it's just being rude because you're not giving them any constructive advice and it's it's just being yeah you're just being an asshole um so so for that like i would say like for basic like unless if someone's not hurting their horse and just minding their own business but riding kind of sloppily like especially if they're working with a trainer i would say like nine times out of ten it's probably not worth it to say anything um if people are doing things that are unfair to their horses i also think it depends because a lot of people won't listen to you depending on how you come across to them in the beginning so even with welfare issues like i'm pretty careful about what i say and like we like i've worked with the stca and i've done stuff with like animal rescues and i've asked them about how they handle things and even like coming from spca officers their recommendation is just to always be polite and nice to people even when you want to throttle them 
Um, <laughs> because if you get mad and you put the person on the defense, you're a lot less likely to help the horses. So you have to kind of treat them as an equal, even if you know you can take care of horses better than they can. And you have to be careful about what you do because bashing someone and sending mean messages, this is literally something I've seen people do when they see someone's abusing a horse because they put posts up on like um, auction sites that I'm on of horses being starved and then everyone's like messaging the owner being like, you suck, go to hell, like blah, blah, blah. And that's not useful at all. Like if anything, the person is probably just going to go off the radar and not want to give anyone their horses. So I'd say you got to be nice and constructive. And if you can make it so that's a private conversation, it's pretty much a guarantee to be better received than if you just embarrass them in public. Um, and I think also before you say anything to anyone about like what you think they should do better, I think you should ask yourself, like, what are your actual intentions in saying yes. it? Because if you're just saying it because you don't like the person and you want a reason to, like, knock them down, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But if it's out of genuine concern, then that's a little different. But also, like, if you don't have the full knowledge on a situation that's going on, it's almost always better to start off with a question and be like, oh, like, hey, like, did you just get this horse? Is it a rescue? If you see a horse that's skinny or something like that. Like, if you don't know the full situation, just ask. Because... Speaking from experience, like, who knows if these people were actually trying to be well-intentioned or not, but when we pulled Banksy off of Scarlet because she rejected him, I had so many people criticizing me and saying it was my fault for stalling them 24-7 and saying things like that, um, and if they had just freaking asked before making ex- assumptions, they would know that he wasn't stalled, stalled. like, ever, <laughs> um, so it's sometimes just in your best interest to ask because I think a lot of people make situations up in their heads from what they see online and they don't have the full scope of the situation. Your view on clicker training. Clicker training can work really great for teaching a lot of things and I say all the power to you. Personally, I won't use a clicker because it's one more thing to hold when you're trying to juggle horse training. So if I clicker train horses, I just go with my tongue and that's easy and you can just make the noise yourself so yeah I find that like online a lot of people that are from that realm of training though have like a their way or the highway mindset which makes it a lot less enjoyable to be a part of that community because if you're not doing it 24 7 apparently it's not good enough um and I think that's rather unfortunate so I don't know And, and it gives people the like it gives people who are already kind of against positive reinforcement training a bad taste in their mouth and then they just bash the whole thing and don't want to try it at all so like this goes for both sides because there's people that are like negative reinforcement people that love and like positive punishment people that are like oh like if your horse doesn't load in the trailer just beat it in and if you don't you're a pansy like that (laughs) like people like that um (laughs) it's just so unnecessary to be like that Um, like, I honestly, like, just do you so long as your horses are happy and healthy. And, like, I have my own way of training that I think works the best. But I can't really say what works the best, give it, like, unless I'm in other people's situations. Because if you're training a horse for liberty work and stuff, like, 
positive reinforcement and clicker training is probably the best way to teach them all the tricks that they know but if you're treating training a horse to be like an upper level show jumper you can't really use positive reinforcement to the same extent while riding and you definitely can't use it exclusively um you and that's not a bad a thing balance job of that 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 does a lot of positive reinforcement that i really like is fellow canadian lindsay partridge oh lindsay partridge Har- Harmony Horsemanship yeah. on on instagram she does so much positive reinforcement well, and amy things, bauer but, yeah her, her what her horsey oh, girl um, or horsey whatever girl, yeah, yeah. Um, um, if, if they look at those kind to yeah. me, those are people doing a wonderful job. And they're so respectful about how they put out oh, their yeah. message that, like, even if I, like, I, I can't think of a time where I haven't agreed with them. Yeah. But even in cases where I wouldn't, they're so unbelievably respectful and they're not trying to, like, I don't know. Like, I find, like... This might just be me being, like, sensitive. Who knows? I don't think it is because I think I'm pretty perceptive. But, like, some accounts have suspiciously posted things that seem very specifically directed at me whenever I say anything about um, positive reinforcement, like, and saying that I don't believe it could be used exclusively in my line of training. Like, I think that's one thing I need to make clear is that... I don't believe... Yeah, like, in what I'm doing... I don't think it could be used as the sole thing that you use, and that's my opinion. And, like, if people want to prove me wrong, all the power to you, please. Like, I I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to actually see it happen in person, because, like, you could definitely hide things on social media and then claim that you're doing something a certain way and then not be at all. But... I don't know. I'm of the mind that, like, there always needs to be some form of pressure, and especially in ridden training, because, like, all of classical dressage and, like, all of the basic cues that we're taught as riders how to use on horses are from the concept of pressure and release. And that doesn't mean it's unkind. That's no, it unkind. doesn't. It like, doesn't mean it's unkind. The opposite of the, what, what people are doing isn't unkind. Yeah. Not and you could actually like, I, like I would agree that like if you're teaching a horse how to move off of pressure, let's say you're teaching the leg yield from the ground, you could use positive reinforcement for that and give them a cookie when they move off of the pressure. But eventually when you stop rewarding that with a treat, the reward is going to become the release of pressure. So it would still be negative reinforcement. And that's kind of where my opinion comes in because you're teaching, you can teach your horse with a positive association initially, but when you're doing like dressage tests and stuff where you're using pressure and release as your cues, the cues are just there as cues and you can't really give a reward during those types of things because then you'd have to stop doing what you're doing. Um, and you're not even supposed to make noise during dressage tests, so you couldn't even click at them, but they mark you down like every noise you make. If you think about comparing it to, even though humans and horses are different, if you look at human behavioral science and how we raise well-adjusted, compassionate um, children, you're using lots of positive Can you imagine if you only used you positive reinforcement? Yes, you can say, okay, well, we're a different level of... Uh, on you know on the scale but logically but wouldn't that still, mean that you could you should be able to use it more yeah and have them understand I, to it me, I look at it from my educational background and the fact that I work with teenagers and I've been a mother and I've gone to university and taken those things I I look at there are a lot of things you can take from human behavioral science and apply them also to animals and yeah. negative reinforcement for children 
it is not it's not a negative thing the word negative doesn't mean in that in context, no like i think that's the unfortunate thing about it is that a lot of people don't it's actually the, look up what it means yeah. and then they don't understand it because even when i was taking my first year psych course it did i found it very confusing to learn what each one meant yes and it took a little while for it to click with me that negative simply means the removal of something it doesn't mean bad just as positive doesn't mean good because positive punishment is not good it's like it, it's it's probably it would be one of the more stressful ways of training because you're using a pun you're adding a punisher and that's what the positive refers to but i found it i found it confusing when i was learning the training quadrants because i didn't like i thought that it was just kind of weird how they named them but anyways this is kind of like a rambly bambly <laughs> little thing but um it seems like it's fairly long at this point so maybe i'll stop there uh Did next time c-section comment though oh yeah someone asked was shelby <laughs> born naturally or by c-section i uh, tore I my way out like a parasite i spat her out of my mouth like from the mythological gods yeah. or something spewed her out of the mouth or like the aliens where they yeah, chew their they way don't. out of people that's an interesting question yeah ask. it was a very weird question no offense it just took me aback. a unique let's say a let's unique not, a unique question okay well unusual. anyways that's all for today folks i have to show a horse to someone tonight and i also need to eat and buy ice cream and buy ice cream yeah bye